Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. Mission. When, when you come to church and your Christian experience is all about you, it's miserable. If you don't ever serve the Lord or anyone else, you'll be miserable. If you focus simply on yourself, you'll be miserable. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if, if that's, I don't know if people really understand that. They, they think that like, if I would just focus more on myself, I'll be happy. I, I promise you, none of us have ever looked inward and been like, wow, I'm just so amazing and I'm super encouraged with, with who I really am. But looking to Jesus, serving Jesus and getting a part of what he's doing is what brings transformation into our life. So everyone wants to self-help, self-discovery, self, self, self. We have all the self-help books in the world and never this much self-hatred. People hate themselves so much that they will mutilate their bodies. The, the, the level of self-hatred and, and self-medication is, is at an all-time high. Technology isn't helping it. Science isn't helping it because it's an inward problem. And if, and if our whole life is focused on us, we miss the whole entire reason in which Jesus came. Jesus came to release the kingdom of God in the earth, which calls us into service. And there is a transformation in our lives as we follow him, as we serve him. So it's not like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be perfect and then I'm going to serve him. You'll never be perfect. I'll never be perfect. But, but we, we, wanna, we want to seek him and, and pursue him and pursue that mission because that's where transformation takes place. You know, many times people in life, they don't grow because they lack exposure. In other words, you're around people that think like you and talk like you and act like you, that's why you're stuck. And why does that happen? That happens because when you have dishonor in your heart, you cannot get around people that are greater than you, therefore you lack the human relationships that you need to move forward. That's what people of dishonor, they all have one thing in common. They lack relationships that they need to move forward or they do not take advantage of the relationships that they have. Because pride does not allow them to see what is right in front of them. Many times your solution is right in front of you. Right in front of you. Right there. You just got to open up your eyes and see it. All right. Now, mission. Let me, let me just say this. Miracles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you. I'm going to have to. This is kind of crazy with my daughter here. But I'm going to have to t say something crazy to you guys here. Because I have to tell you this. This, this, is, this is really strange. But in 2005, God was preparing my heart. And he was preparing my heart for a yes that would come later that year. So I'm going to explain that to you. I'm going to try to keep this uh, as, as clean as I can here with little ears. <laughs> so there's a song that Hillsong made that it's called The Ends of the Earth. I don't know if you ever, if you ever want to Google it, you can, you can go to YouTube and hit The Ends of the Earth. And it's this song about I will go to the ends of the earth for you. I will go, go, go. All right. So I was in a church in Wyckoff. In the promised land, up Route 208, where everyone has white fences and they're happy. I'm just joking. You just think they're happy. <laughs> she knows it's not true. So, so it's just like, you know, the problems are in the house. You know, in the hood, the problems are outside. You know, over there, the problem is the same stuff, though. The same ghetto-ness. So, so, but what happens is, so I'm at this church. Bobby's with me. My friend Mark at the time, too. A bunch of people. And God is now working on my heart. He's doing something in my life because I have my own ideas, just so you know. My ideas were to be a plumber, to make a lot of money, to live in northern Bergen County, and to serve God on my own terms, and that's it. On my terms, not his terms. That was my, my agenda. I was the youngest guy in my plumbing shop. I had the apprenticeship. At like 21, I was working in state, job, state prevailing wage jobs, money that people make in their 30s. I was making in my 20s. I had a good job, benefits, nice car, everything. I was moving up in, in, in my mind, and the Lord completely disrupted everything. But first, he cultivated my heart, and so there was this song, The Ends of the Earth, and he used this song to cultivate something in my heart that I didn't know was there. So 
in 2005, in April, I went to Honduras for the first time and I saw abject poverty for the first time. I saw little kids with no shoes on, no clothes on, and I left the village with no shoes on, crying, and I was a complete mess and a disaster, and all the people on our team were looking at me like I lost my mind. And I had never seen that before. And when I saw that for the first time, I knew that I was born to see that change. So there was a yes in my spirit that God was developing, was cultivating a yes. Let me explain to you what's about to happen. November that year, I'm telling you this all for a purpose. November that year, I get invited to go to China in 2005 to smuggle Bibles into China. And so I had some experience previously with smuggling. And so I decided this will be fun. Uh, we'll smuggle Bibles to China. So this is, this is really, this is, this is exciting. I'm telling you this for a reason. Just a few days... Just a few days before I was going to go, I get a phone call. You know what the phone call was for? A booty call. You know what a booty call is? Someone you still know what a booty call is. It was a tremendous opportunity of a love offering. I'm telling you the truth. Some of you, you know, this is real life. Are you serious? You guys looking at me like... And now, the old Adam would have said, absolutely, I'm going to receive this love offering with joy. Immediately, something in me said, no. Immediately, no. So I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Boom. Hang the phone up. When I was in China, I was in a university. I met young people, 22, 21, 23. These people knew all the doctrinal errors of the missionaries. These people, these young kids, were risking their freedom every day to preach the gospel. People were being born again and saved every single day. While I was at this university, I saw the momentum of God's kingdom coming with power, but, but not like power in spurts, in waves, every day. Waves, every day. Like, not like, oh, that was a great day. Tomorrow, waves. Every day. It was like, it, it was like something. And while I was at that university, the Lord disrupted my whole entire life. And he said, before you're 30, you're going to go to 30 nations. And I'm going to take you all around the world. And blah, 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 blah. I went home. And I quit my job. People thought I was crazy. My parents thought I was crazy. The very thing they were praying for that I went to do, they thought I was crazy when I'm going to do it. So now I have Christian resistance. I have my mind telling me I'm crazy. The only one who could see it at all was my mom. And she still thought I was kind of crazy. But she could see it. My dad is like, yeah, you're a bum, get a job. He's old school, you know, like... But he didn't understand at that time what was happening. Because a transition, that's real, that's real talk. A transition is never smooth. This is not, a, this is not Final Cut Pro here. This is, this is real life. Transition, Jesus met Satan in a transition. So you think that a transition is going to be, uh, you know, peaches and cream and stuff like that. No way. My point, if I would have said yes to the booty call, I would have said no to the call of God. Because my heart would not have been cultivated to say yes when he spoke to me because I would have been in shame and in guilt. And when you have shame and guilt in your life, the enemy manipulates you. This is not about me. This is about learning to allow God to cultivate a yes in your spirit so that when he makes you the offer of a lifetime, you don't refuse it. Do you know so many things that people sweat for and, 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 and do things for? They come upon me because I said yes. Things that I couldn't afford. I have a friend. He calls me. I, say, I have three MacBook Pros for you. You know how much money three MacBook Pros are? You know how long it takes people to work to have the extra to put that there? But just in a phone call. 
because the favor of God. Because, but that favor doesn't, that favor rests on a yes. It doesn't rest on, oh, I like Adam. It's cool. Oh. No, God doesn't think like that. God is like, okay, I'm looking for people that will participate with my mission that will put me first. Why? So I can show myself strong on their behalf. How are you going to buy a house with no money? I can, I can tell you stories. You, you have... <laughs> Imagine you go to the car dealership. They have $4,000 rims on it, and they take $1,000 off the price. I can tell you story after story after story. We took our car last week to Infinity for a $1,600 job. They charge us $100. I can tell you stories of the faith. It took $4,000 to go to Belize. You think that's free? When you put God first, people, I'm not, I'm not crazy. When you put God first, you activate the kingdom of God. You activate, if you would seek me first and my righteousness, all these things will be added to you. All these things that everyone else gives their life for, you don't even have to pursue them. If you delight in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. I know what you like. So this, these miracles that you, the, that, now let me explain to you, to, to get to China, it costs money, <laughs> by the way. And you know, I had bills too, just like everyone else. The, the, the AT&T is not like, oh wow, you're a missionary, that's amazing, great. No, you have a phone bill, bro. You have insurance. So I needed $2,500 to make this China trip work. I got two checks, one for a thousand, one for fifteen hundred. Boom. What God was doing is saying, "Don't worry about money. I'm teaching you to trust me." See, miracles in the beginning of your ministry is one of the things that God uses to cultivate your heart. Look what God did for you. If there's not gratitude in your heart, if there's entitlement in your heart and not gratitude, you'll miss it. Entitlement blinds people. We live in a generation of entitled people who think they deserve things. No one owes you anything. I don't owe you. Nobody owes you nothing. That's crazy. Entitlement blinds people. And in fact, entitlements are how people manipulate votes. Because they don't vote with their conscience. They vote from a blind place. That's what entitlements do. It's called a bribe. So the vision is Jesus, the mission is people, bringing Jesus to people, bringing people to Jesus and teaching them to obey him. Listen, this is one of the things about pastoring. If you don't choose to obey Jesus, I can't do nothing for you. <laughs> That's the painful part. You know, like I want to see you do well, but if you don't repent, if you don't forgive, if you don't reorder your life with him first, I cannot do nothing. No matter how much I like you or don't like you or love you or don't love you, I cannot do anything for someone who will not put Jesus in the place that he deserves. My relationship with people is predicated on the, the effectiveness of that relationship is if that person is willing to listen to Jesus and put him first. Then I come in as a coach and you'll get the best from me. That's what happened with Brett. That's why Brett loves me like that. Because he was ready. He came humble. How can you have what he has and be humble? How can you? Because God, did, God was cultivating something in his heart. So you have to let God cultivate on the inside of you. You know that the most successful people in life are people who solicit feedback, not reject it and get offended by it? Yes. All right, mission. For it to be mission, there must be clear objectives. Therefore, you will need direction and instructions. Now, we live in a generation of people that doesn't want either direction or instructions. But if you're going to go somewhere and get somewhere and be something, you have to learn to follow directions. Now, if you can't follow instructions, you are not ready for mission. This is very important because when you're a part of a team, People are counting on you to do your part. If you fail to do your part, it affects the team. 
That's why many people don't want to serve in a church because then people are depending on you and when you fail, you're going to be held accountable. So people can just attend, come when they want to, give when they want to, do what they want to, but really never change. But when you, when you step into serving, now you step into a place of accountability. Oh, so I can't be late. No, you have to actually be early. Okay, I got to go. No, you can't got to go. You actually have to help clean up. What? Yeah, that's what serving is about. It's about other people. It's not about what you want. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you get kids, you're going to realize real quick what that's about. Now, to be mission ready, you need to get healing. This is okay. Can I, can I say it's okay to get healing? It's good. It's important. Like, if you don't get healing, everyone knows that you need healing. You may not admit it, but, like, everyone around you is like, whoa. You know, so, so now, to be mission ready, you need to get healing. And I'm going to say it in this, in this way. Why? Because before you can really get discipled, you need to get healing. <laughs> Here's why. Discipleship is rough. Real Like my pastor will say things to me I wouldn't say to you because you'll get angry and get offended at me. Real discipleship is when someone has their hands in real close and they're really addressing the things that are prohibiting you really moving forward. Now, if you don't get healing first, you'll be too sensitive. Anytime you say anything, people are sensitive. That's okay. We just know you need healing. But after you get healing, to bring forth the, the divine, uh, the, the potential and the seed that God put inside of you, you have to get healing, but then you have to get discipled. Now, there's three parts of this because after being discipled, then you are ready to be mentored. Those are not the same things, by the way. Being mentored will help you to become proficient and excellent in your calling. It's the thing that allows you to, to hone in your craft and your gifts. But what happens if you have gifts with no character? What you build what your, with your gifts or what you build with your talent, you will destroy with your lack of character. We see that in the church all the time. They look cute in skinny jeans. Everyone likes them. They're cool. They have cool, cool, cool. And then they go, oh, the pastor is sleeping with four women. Oh, yeah. Well, he had no one with his hands in on their, his life telling him what's wrong with you. You don't even pray anymore. We know you don't pray because we hear it in your message. Your message is not Christ-centered. It's feelings. It's a motivational talk. We know that something is wrong with you because all we have to do is listen to you to know something is wrong. All you have to do is listen to someone for 30 seconds to find out there's something really wrong. So what happens when people are mentored before they're discipled or before they get healing is they get good and excellent and they build something and then their lack of character destroys it. It's really a bad idea. You have to resist the urge to help someone who's not ready because you're not helping them, you're hurting them. Until you have Christian character, you're going to have a real, you're going to have a real trouble. And even with Christian character, you're still going to be tested. You're still going to have trials, tribulations, and difficulties in this life. Now, if you want to be a part of mission, I'm going to quote this is not a beatitude. Don't worry. We're going to get there later. But blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. Now, if you're going to be a part of mission, you're going to have to learn to be flexible. People are like, what's going to happen when we get there? I don't know. <laughs> what are we going to eat for dinner? I don't know. <laughs> How long is the car ride going to take? I don't know. How long is it going to take going through custom? I don't know. How much are you going to have to pay going through custom? I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of I don't knows in your yes. But the thing is that in learning to be flexible, in learning to adapt, in learning to be patient, you grow. Many times, the priority of Americans is I want to do something. I got to do something. I got to do something. It's my day off. I got to do something. I got to do something all the time, all the time, because there's something in me that doesn't let me rest because I don't have peace. I don't have rest, so I have to do something because my value is based in what I do. No, that's not correct. 
In the kingdom, your value is based on <clears throat> what Jesus has paid, not by what you do. That's a, that's a very big, uh, that's a very, very big difference. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. Now, I'm going to start with Abraham because you're going to see something that God does. God is like us. If something is important to you, what do you do? Especially women. I love women. I got a wife and a daughter. If something is important to a woman, she continually repeats herself. And they don't even have to get old to do that. They come with on repeat. Zoe does it. It's not a bad thing. We as humans do it. God does it. When something is important to God, he repeats himself. God did not run out of things to say. So like if I start repeating myself, you're like, is he going crazy? You don't know. But God is like not going crazy. God is repeating himself because of the priority of what is being said. So there is something in the scripture that is all through the scripture from the beginning of the scripture to the end of the scripture where God continues to say the same thing, but differently because it's that important. You try that with kids. I don't, I don't know if you, you'll see if you have kids. You, you, you tell them something and then you tell them another way and another way and then you repeat it. And you, you're just like you're trying to lodge this into them. Because you know that if this doesn't get into them, it's going to cause them pain. And since you love them and they look like you, you know, you try to help them. Genesis 12, now the Lord said to Abram, get out. <laughs> God's first two words to Abram, get out. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. The very first thing that faith understands is that I cannot stay where I am. God's first, God wasn't even like, hey, I'm God of heaven, blah, blah, blah. God is like, Abram, get out! The first thing you find about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is moving over the waters. God is about movement, even so much so that one of his thrones has wheels. God, Ezekiel 1, God is about movement. Get out. In other words, you can't become who you're becoming here. Get out. So Abe didn't know where he was going, but he knew where he was not staying. Get out of your father's house, your country, and your family. Get out of the, the comfort, the security, the isolation, your own little tribal identification. Get out. You know, some of the most stuck people are people who only hang out or are only with people exactly like them. They're the most socially unaware. Many times they are the most economically stuck Many times they are just stuck because everyone around them is like them. You go and you see a white guy among a whole bunch of black people. You go, okay, he's, he's learning something. You see a, a black guy, a bunch of a whole bunch of white people. You go, okay, he's learning something. When you choose to get out from you, that, that just all of us think alike, all of us eat the same, all of us are the same. You, you open your world. My, every time I go on a trip and every time I engage with different culture, my world expands. This is why I tell people experiences are critical because they create exposure and exposure creates room for growth. We were just in Africa with five guys from the church. We went to the 148th floor of the Dubai Tower. Exposure creates growth. Shared experiences build history. I do this stuff on purpose because it's important for you to see things because if you don't see certain things, you will not grow. So God knew Abe for Abram to become Abraham. He's got to get out of his father's house. He's got to get out from the limitations 
of where he came from and the comforts and the conveniences of home. To a land that I will show you. Now, if you look at the biblical narrative, if you look from heaven's perspective, Abram is walking the promised land in the pattern of the cross. He walks the length and he walks the width of the promised land. So from God's perspective, from the aerial view, he's walking the promised land after the pattern of the cross. Because that's what's going to bring forth the real promise. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. To me, this is good news. Imagine God shows up and goes, I will make you great. MAGA. I'm like, God, I'm going to make you your own MAGA hat. Like, make Adam great again. Like, whoa, that's amazing. Like, God, God's saying, I'm going to make you great. I mean, come on, are you guys alive? Imagine God shows up and goes, I'm going to make you great. I'm like, I'm in. I'm like, you know, like, God, the God that created the heavens and the earth says to this guy who is like an animal herder, a nobody. He's not Israel, the chosen people. He's from Iraq. He's from Padam Aram. He's a nobody. His family is idolaters. They're stargazers. They don't know God. They're into like zodiac and signs. They don't know anything. They're so lost. They're seeking a sign for what's in them. You, you engage in, in signs and zodiac. Imagine being so lost that you need something on a piece of paper to tell you who you are. That's not good for you. So God is good. God is like, okay, Abram, no problem. You come from that, no problem. No problem, Abe. I'm going to bring you out of that. Oh, I'm going to, oh, you like looking at the stars? No problem. I'm going to make your descendants like the stars. This is a great God. He calls this guy, he's a nobody. And let me tell you something. If Abram doesn't say yes, he doesn't become Abraham, and he would have remained a nobody. Look at all the people that said yes, they become somebodies. Peter, a redneck from Galilee, a fisherman, a nobody. He said yes, he shaped human history. I can go on and on about people that said yes. Think of Dr. Martin Luther King. He said yes. His name in his speech, I have a dream, echoes through history. When you say yes, I will make you great. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So the purpose of becoming great and the purpose of being blessed is to embody the blessing so where you go, the blessing comes. So that what you put your hands on is blessed. This is important. In Africa, they understand the culture of blessing. Little children will come up to you and they'll stand in front of you so that you can put your hand on their head and bless them. Faith always understands blessing. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, now, this is, now it's going to get really real. Watch this. Watch God. I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those who curse you. In other words, your enemies will be my enemies. <laughs> I vote for that. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, okay. Um, and, uh, and, and, and in you, now here's the intention of God, all that stuff is going to culminate into, watch this, and in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God's intention is not like, oh, I'm just going to curse everyone who curses Abraham. You're cursed, you're cursed, you're cursed. God is saying, no, 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 I want to bless all of the families of the earth, which means your family and your family and your family and your family and your, you mean, you mean there's enough for everybody? Yeah. Yeah, this is not orphans fighting for the last bit of rice. Many Christians have that mentality, a mentality of lack. There's not enough. This is not StockX. God has enough. This is not as, as, as the quantity diminishes the price 
God has enough. All of the families of the earth shall be blessed. All. He has enough for all. God does not operate from lack. If you operate from lack, you have to get healed of a poverty mentality. The only guy that was concerned about Jesus' budget was the betrayer. His first words in the scripture were Jesus was not worth the oil they poured out on him. The only budget questioner was a thief. And he questioned the very worth of God. See, this is important because, here's why, what you value, you'll spend yourself on. What you don't value, you will not spend yourself on. So if you don't value Jesus, you won't spend yourself and be spent for him. He gets leftovers. But anyway, that's not, what, that's not what he deserves. And it's not wise for you to give him leftovers. Faith, again, may not know exactly where we are going, but faith knows where we aren't staying. Abram wasn't a settler. He was a pioneer. Here's my question to you. Are you going to be a pioneer or are you going to be a settler? See, most Christians, I'm sorry to tell you this, most Christians are settlers. They find a measure of truth, a measure of Christian experience, and then they create a little camp around that and they stay there. But the, 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 the promise of God is that he would lead us into all truth, which means that we are not settlers, but we are pioneers trying to walk in the present truth that God's spirit is breathing on in our day. With a world that is increasingly polarizing and divided, you know what it needs? It needs a unified prophetic church. A church from every time, tongue, kindred, and nation. A church where people don't look the same, don't dress the same, don't vibe the same, maybe don't even vote the same. But Jesus is their center. Jesus is what matters most. And they can come together around him and learn to work out those things because those things will be in a marriage. Those things will be in a relationship. Those things will be on a missions trip. There's a measure of friction. There's a measure of turbulence. There's a measure of everything. And, and those are the things that help you grow when you learn how to interact respectfully, with honor, with dignity. You learn how to disagree in a dignified way. You don't become an animal. You, you know, you, you, you learn how to... I mean, this is very important. Now, will you choose comfort or your calling, convictions or convenience, the fear of the Lord or the fear of man? Because we knew the last season, I want to tell you, the whole last season was marked by the fear of man. The whole last season. Right now they're canceling people in America they're canceling Kyrie Irving. They're trying to cancel Kanye West in a culture that is supposed to value freedom of speech. Here's, here's why we have the Second Amendment, in case people don't abide by the First Amendment. So what they're doing is they're pushing people. The sexualization of children in schools, they're pushing people. Putting people in their houses with masks on. They're pushing people. I'm not telling you to act up and go crazy, but I'm telling you, you have to be aware that they're trying to push people to a breaking point. And, and you, we can't respond like the world if we're going to reach the world. But in an increasingly polarizing society, how much more important is it to be really prophetic? To be able to speak to the heart of the matter, the real issue. I mean, you, you talk about, so, so the whole last season was marked by the fear of man. Oh, you don't love us if we have church. You don't love me if you don't get vaccinated. You don't love me if you, what do you mean? What does that even mean? That doesn't even make any sense. 
I mean, this is the stuff that they would jam down people's throats. And then they find out that that actually doesn't do what they said it was going to do. And then they find out that all the really, 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 really rich people got richer. Nothing to see there. You look at how many new billionaires were in the drug, uh, the, the pharmaceutical industry. So, so you know, you, you have to, I'm saying you have to, if you're going to be on mission, you have to have discernment. The church has to become the narrator of the, of the madness in our society or people, everyone's going to lose their mind. You, you take, in our culture, the, the removal of absolutes, right? The, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the what? The soul, the mind, will, and emotions. Which means the mind, the will, and the emotions, A, needs to be converted. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, it needs moral absolutes to function correctly. If you don't have a moral absolute, if the word of God isn't settled in your heart and in your head, your, your whole world is going to be like this because you have no standard. There's no pillar. There's nothing there. The pillar is feelings. The, peeling, the, the, the pillar is what I want, when I want it, how I want it. That's not the pillar in this house. The word of God is the pillar in this house. The word of God is the standard in this house. We're going to interact according to that. When, if we mess up, we're going to say we messed up according to that. If we succeeded, we succeeded according to that and we give him glory. But that's, there has to be an agreed standard. So you see this, this idea. I'm going to read you just a couple more verses quickly, short verses. But I want you to hear the verses so that you see there's a theme happening. Psalm 22. 27 and 28. And all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. Do you see all of the families of the earth shall be blessed? Are, are you seeing this? This is the heart of God. That includes your family, but it's not only your family. It's also other families. But the blessing is for people created in the image and likeness of God. Now, I will save you Habakkuk 2.14. I will quote it for you. It says that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Now, if you understand the language of metaphor, many times the message of Scripture is in the metaphor. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Waters covering the sea is a dominant metaphor. Have you ever seen waters? Do you know what waters can do? We're going to go to a place right now where waters came in and wiped everything out. We were in Puerto Rico a few years ago. Waters rose 21 feet. That same year after that, we were in the Dominican Republic. Waters rose up 15 feet. Waters come in and they take everything out. Woof. So the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is meant to be a dominant experience for humanity. In other words, humanity should experience the knowledge of God sweeping across society. That's probably not going to happen in a prayerless church. That's probably not going to happen with carnal Christians. That's probably not going to happen with people who aren't committed to their time, talent, and treasure. That's probably not going to be committed to the, the next idol of children's sports. I can't go to church now because I am my children's uh, butler. And... I allow my children to shape my priorities and now therefore um, his fantasy football career is going to now shape the culture of our family. Okay, so your six-year-old has now become daddy. Let me know how that's going to work out. Malachi or Malachi, the Italian prophet. I'm joking. Malachi 1.11. Let me read him to you for a second. That's the last book. As soon as I say Malachi, people think he's going to talk about tithing. They get nervous and stuff. Malachi 1.11. From the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. That's us. The pagans. <laughs> In every place, incense shall be offered to my name, a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. 
His name shall be great among where? The nations. Among who? The Gentiles. But whose responsibility is it to make his name great? It's our responsibility. We want to use his name, you know, as the debit card of our wants and desires. But, it, but his name is given so that we bear his image and his likeness and we have authority in his name so that his name is great. So that people know who he is. Matthew 28, watch, you're going to see a recurring theme. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to show you something that God is repeating himself many different ways and he's giving us a strategy, which I cannot get into this very deeply on the strategy, but I'm just going to let these scriptures wash over you to engage us in this uh, thing called mission. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or the world, aeon, age. Here's what Christians do with this verse. You know what they do with this? They don't make disciples. They don't preach the gospel. They argue over, should we baptize people in Jesus' name? Or should we baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? This is what Christians do. I baptize people in the name of the Father, His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Bam! <laughs> you know, you just shoot both of those birds out of the air. But this is crazy that people use this to fight with other Christians instead of reach people. Anytime the church turns inward, it becomes divided and destructive. That's why every week, go out. Why? Because if, if you're releasing the kingdom of God, I don't got time to fight with you. Don't fight with me. I'm not going to fight with you. Fight with someone else. I don't have time to fight with anyone. We are, we are on mission. For example, six Navy SEALs jump out of a, of a, a, heli a helicopter. They don't have time to bicker among themselves because that bickering among themselves could cost their life. You have to learn how to get along with your team. You're a family, you're a team. You have to learn how to, how to flow with your team. If there's strife and dissension in your team, you get less done. In our five, in my nucleus, there's no strife. It's beautiful. You have to learn how to move as a unit, together. All right. All authority has been given to me. Go, therefore. So the authority is for go. The influence is to go. Obviously, you're going to preach so that people are baptized and then making disciples and then teaching them to observe or obey everything Jesus commanded. Mark 16, 15 through 18. Watch this. This is very simple. Here he goes again, 15. And he said, go. <laughs> it's like, it's like, we like to stay. We're stayers. Uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. See, God doesn't condemn anyone. Unbelief does. If a good God would send people to hell, he doesn't. They send themselves. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if any, they drink anything deadly, it will by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So this going and this supernatural authority and this power that God gives us is for the purpose of mission. It's not just to stay and have good fun church. It's to go. We pray, even our prayers are, are twisted. We're like, oh, Jesus, send people to church. Go. Do I want people to come to church more than any of you? But go. If you have time to come, you have time to go. If you don't think that you have time to come, you're listening to the devil. You're not too busy for God. When your soul leaves your body, I promise you, you won't be too busy for God. 
This is, this is very important here. And all of the things, can I tell you something? This is what I learned in my life. All the things that scream at us as if they're urgent, many of them are not even important. There are things that scream at us as if a child is like bleeding when in reality it's not even important. One of the things I found is that as you learn to spend time in God's word and God's presence and among people who walk with the Lord, not perfect people, but mature people, your priorities begin to shift. One time the Lord said to me, if you want to cut your problems in half, hang out with people twice your age. And over the next five years, all my friends basically that I was close to were older than me. And, they, and God used that to bring an acceleration in areas of my life where I needed it because of the level of responsibility that he was going to entrust me with. Acts 1. We got a few more and we're going to be done. I'm reading this all for a specific purpose. Next week, DK is going to be talking about your authority as a believer. I'm going to follow that up on more of spiritual authority. This is something that is very, very elementary, and, um, but it needs to be understood. Okay? Um, Acts 1, we're going to continue. This is Jesus. This is, we'll start in 3. Uh, to whom he also presented himself alive after many, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days and speaking to them things pertaining the kingdom of God. Watch this. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father, you don't work for it, you wait for it. There's certain things in your life that you work for, like you, you got to pay your mortgage, you got to work. It's like, but there's other things that you cannot work for, you have to wait for. You have to have discernment. Is this something I wait for or work for or do I work while I wait? But you have to have discernment because not everything is earned. That whole everything earned, earned, earned. Okay, cool. In the world, yes, sure. If the Satan is daddy. But, but in the kingdom, if Father is God, some things are about waiting. Which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, when will you, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Dear Jesus. Can I just say that there's hope for all of us? If you, if you came here today and you're like, there's no hope for me, my marriage, my kids, everything, the world, America. I just want to encourage you, just for one second. There's hope for you. Jesus' best guys, his absolute best. It's like... The guys that wrote the Bible, you know, the guys that died for Jesus, still 40 days after engaging with a resurrected man who's fully God and fully man, who is humble enough to cook them breakfast on the beach, they still don't get his message on the kingdom. Their geopolitical ethnic bondage is so deep that the word kingdom triggers them and they don't know what he's talking about. That's how deep cultural, political, and ethnic bondage can be. 40 days with a resurrected man and they still don't get it. That's how deep it is. Sinking in. <laughs> Settling in there. Can you imagine spending, I, hey, I spent 40 days with God, you know, I finally shut up and let him talk, and I still have no idea what he's saying. It's like, what? It's like, so there's hope for us. Like, you may feel like there's no hope for me, you know. Like, look, man, these guys wrote the Bible. Just stick around. There's hope. All right. So he says to them, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. Now, this word, there's two words there. Chronos, which is chronos time, which is watch time, uh, time that can be measured. It's not for you to know the times or seasons. The word seasons there is kairos, which is a divine moment in time. It's almost like when God visits time and space and a divine opportunity comes forth. The gift of faith takes chronos time and makes it a kairos moment. That's the gift of faith. It's going to come upon the preaching of the word. So, so this is very powerful. And they still don't get it. 
this is their question. Let me Americanize this question. So Jesus, we've been with you. So when are you going to MAGA? Like, when are you going to make America great again? It's like, so, so he says to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. This is a very important message. I'm not going to get into it now, but I'm going to give you a free you know, snippet. Exousia or authority is how we broker time. People are like, oh, I'm, I'm going to read a book on time management. Time doesn't need to be managed. You need to be managed. Your energy needs to be managed. Because if you have no energy, an hour is not an hour. And if I have full energy, a half an hour is two hours. So, so, so it depends on Time doesn't need to be managed. You need to be managed. And God allows us to broker and to manage time by giving us authority. You have to take authority over your time. People are like, oh, I'm just here killing time. No, you're not. Time is killing you. So this is, this is something because he says to the boys, boys. It's not for you to know the times or seasons that are in the Father's own hand. So if you could see how time goes, it would be like if we draw a circle and the circle is exousia. I used to, I had one of these on my phone somewhere, one of my other phones. You have exousia, it's like a big circle, and in it, times and seasons. And the Lord uses authority to broker time. You have to do the same thing. He gave you authority, you saw that. You have to take authority. I didn't have time. No, 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 you didn't make time. No, your priorities did not reflect what you say you value. Okay, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now the word ends, this is another word, it is the lowest and last. The very ends, not that the word is flat. <laughs> Sorry to shatter. <laughs> but uh, to the ends, the, 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 those who are last and least, them too. Do you know that when we go places, I specifically find places that are forsaken and rejected. That is my goal. That's where I want to go. Not because I am anything, because this is what the Bible says. It's very clear. It's like you don't need a revelation. It's right there. There's a revelation. Believe what is written, and more revelation will come. This is, this is very, very clear and very simple. Now, I want to share uh, with you one thing here. This is very simple, but it's also difficult. They had, just so you know, power to heal the sick and power to cast out demons. You see that in the Gospels. That's not the power that Jesus is giving them right now. They already have that. He's giving them power not to love their lives even unto death. He said, I'm giving you power and you will be my witnesses. That word witness in Greek is the word martyr. I will give you power to love me and my mission more than your own life. We quote in America, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. You, you, let me tell you something. People who get the world's attention are people who are willing to die. You got no, listen, when you are fully willing, you get everyone's attention. This is important because in the kingdom, you have to die so that you can live. I want to do this. I want to do that. Okay. You're not going to be alive to God. You're going to be alive to your flesh. And guess what? You're going to reap corruption, which means everything around you is going to decay.
I say that so that we don't go there. I will give you power to be my witnesses. A witness is someone who brings forth judicial or forensic evidence. Real evidence that is tested. Imagine if we were on trial for being Christians. Would there be enough evidence for us to be convicted? Because we won't convict the world through the Holy Spirit and through us yielding to the Holy Spirit if we are just like the world. We're no better than the world. We're here for the world. But if, we don't, if we're no different than the world, we don't have anything for the world. So when people come here, this should be a whole different world. Like, man, they love each other. They care about each other. They look different. They're, you know, we got the United Nations on the worship team. Something is happening. It's beautiful. God's heart is not diversity. Oh, let's diversify. Oh, why don't you diversify your portfolio? God's heart is unity. A diversified unity which people come together and put his son in the place that he deserves first. First in rank, greatest in influence. Number one, him. Him. Not us. Him. Now when he's in that place, everything's different. You have a value for humans and, and human dignity. You can love people you disagree with. You, 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 you can, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's the one that brings it all together. I'm, I'm preaching Jesus, but I'm also preaching getting on board with his mission. Over a billion people have never heard the gospel before. And I'm telling you, there's people in America who have never heard the gospel. I've shared the gospel with an Indian man in South Jersey in a Dunkin' Donuts a quarter of a mile down the street from a church who when I preached Jesus to him, he said, Jesus who? This is not some sort of cave in Afghanistan. Right here, right now, there's people in this city. They're living with domestic abuse. There's people in this city who are hungry. There's people in this city who do not know Jesus. There's families in the church that are hurting. There are people that are hurting. There are people, their life is in the valley of decision. The decisions that they make now are going to shape their generations. There's some of you, you don't have children yet. The, the, the environment you cultivate in your home is the environment your children are going to live in and thrive in or not. Got to get it right. It's not, it's not a game. So Revelation, last one. Because we talk about dreams, right? We got dreams. You got dreams? I got dreams. Why don't we focus on God's dream just for a moment in church? Just for a moment. We'll go back to our dreams later. All right. Revelation 5. This is the Lamb. It's a tremendous verse here. I can't preach this whole thing. It's too much. But John is weeping because no one is worthy to open the seal, open the book, and to loose the seals. So he's, he's, he's a mess. And it says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, this is Revelation 5, verse 6, Behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though having been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. This is a metaphor talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If you see Jesus, he doesn't have seven horns hanging out of his head. This is a metaphor. The message is in the metaphor. The, one, of the, one of the reasons people always, this is a free one for someone in here today, one of the things that happens in the book of Revelation People don't interpret it correctly. And what they do is they choose what is literal and what is not literal. And that is the first problem with their, with their rules of interpretation. They choose what is literal. So if I say to them that is a seven-eyed, seven-lamb literal, they'll say no. Because when you're praying to Jesus, you're not thinking of a seven-eyed ram or lamb with horns. And you're thinking of a glorified man. Right? But then they choose that, well, the next verse is not literal. And they, and they, go, they play ping pong with what is literal, what is not literal. That means you should turn their YouTube channel off because they don't know what they're talking about. That's free. I'm trying to save you any mental health issues. So, and look, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, 
And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as being slain, which are the seven, uh, seven eyes, seven uh, spirits sent forth into all the earth. You see that? All the earth. God's spirit, all the earth. Not just my family or your family, all the earth. I, I don't know if you're catching this. This is, this is a recurring theme in the heart of God. All of the families of the earth. Into all the earth. This is, this is the heart of God. It's for people. God's heart is for people. Even my son running around here. All right. Um, and now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. This is a really profound uh, passage. I cannot preach this today for time. But they sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals for you are slain and you have redeemed us to God by your own blood. Here it comes again. Out of every tribe, tongue, kindred, and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Okay. So Jesus bought us back from the slave master of sin. The slave master of sin doesn't care what color your skin is, doesn't care how much money you have, doesn't care what nationality you are, what soccer team you like, doesn't care about your finances. He wants you to be his slave, period. He's like an equal opportunity slave, uh, slave driver. And, and, and so Jesus buys us back because we were not meant to live like that. Addicted and afflicted. That's not, I've been there, that's not, that's not his, his plan. We certainly wouldn't want to see our kids like that. And do you think that we are more moral than God somehow? God is not into seeing his kids in bondage. He gave his own blood so that that wouldn't have to be our reality. You have redeemed us. You have brought us back to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, kindred, and nation. The blood of Jesus doesn't just wash you and forgive you. It makes you. It says it made them kings and priests and we shall reign in heaven when Jesus comes. No, it doesn't say that. It says and we shall reign where? On the? The battle is not to float away on a cloud. The battle is for the earth. Every day, the enemy is trying to take ground on the, on the earth. The meek inherit the earth. In Noah's day, who was removed? Not the righteous, the wicked. When this thing is getting wrapped up and the angels come to gather the wicked. I know that many of you want to escape, but listen. I started recycling when I got that revelation. I'm like, dang, the meek inherit the earth. I mean, yeah, the meek, this is... Satan is the trespasser. So, so, so let's say you have some demonic stuff happening in your heart or in your home. He's the trespasser. You have authority to get rid of him. But if your life isn't surrendered to God, if when God speaks to you, you don't move, when you speak to Satan, he won't move. He don't have to listen to you. He's like, why am I going to listen to my partner? You partner with me all the time. You're a monthly partner. You have a subscription, premium subscription. So that's not the portion. Okay, and he made them kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Suffering, uh, Chris Valentin says this, is training for reigning. Sometimes in life you have to go through something and I'm not talking about no self-inflicted wounds here. I did those too. But I'm talking about when you do the right thing and you get the wrong results, but you're faithful like Joseph. He said, I'm not going to sleep with my boss's wife. His reward? Prison. It's like, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, God. You know, like, you know, it wasn't a promotion. It was actually prison, but prison led to a promotion. Because if he wouldn't have interpreted someone else's dreams, his dreams wouldn't have got interpreted. God always allows you to serve what you're becoming. He had a dream too. But he had to interpret other people's dreams before he could live his. See, you have to go through, you got to go through a process. That's why the fastest way forward is, is down and the fastest way forward is serving. People don't get that. It's like, it's like they feel like, oh, that's less than. 
Jesus himself said the Son of Man came to serve, not be served. That's dignifying. You know that we live in a culture that doesn't like work. Do you know that there was work before sin? That's <laughs> like people like, you know, there was also Sabbath before sin. So there's principles that, that are before sin and after sin, and they are for us to have longevity in the kingdom. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. So if anything I'm saying to you makes sense in any way, here's a few ways in which you can respond. Simple. Ways to engage. Seek the Lord wholeheartedly. We have this little button on our phones. If you don't have this phone, I, do, I, don't, I don't judge you, but for those of you who have an iPhone, we have this little button. You see this little airplane? You press that. You know what that does? It disconnects you from distractions. You know what you can do then? You can pray. You can even read your Bible if your Bible is on your phone because no one can talk to you except God. This is one of the most powerful buttons, airplane mode, which means I am no longer receiving messages at this time. Why? Because I'm not God and I, I need to rest and I, I need to kind of shut down or else I'll burn out too, right? So you can seek the Lord wholeheartedly with prayer, with his word. Weep for people and places. Ask God to break your heart for people and places. Jesus wept for people and places. Jesus wept for Lazarus because he died prematurely and then he raised him from the dead. That's why everyone does not die in God's timing. If everyone died in God's timing, Jesus wouldn't have raised Lazarus from the dead. We have a real enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus would not tell us about an enemy if he was no threat. Because Jesus doesn't waste his words. People are like, God is in control. No, God is in charge. And everyone's going to have to give an account to him. But he's not the almighty manipulator micromanaging every single thing. There's a lot of things that happen that have nothing to do with God's will. Then they will come under God's account and God's judgment later. So he is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. But he's not the almighty manipulator. That's a really important thing. When we're out of control, we say, God's in control. But that, that's a cheap answer to not to assume responsibility and have self-control and do our part in his will. We just say, he, he, you know, but okay, anyway, get out of there. Serve locally and faithfully. Right now, in just a few minutes, literally, people are going to go out, bless people with food, go on a short-term missions trip. Build long-term relationships. We got a trip to DR. You can go with someone else to another mission trip. People that we trust and know that are good people. It's not about us, but it's about learning to serve. Set time aside to serve. This is an important part of growth. And you say, well, I, I can't do that now. But everything you're doing is not limited to you. If you limit it all to you, then you're missing that this is not about you or me. This is about him. When people's first response is, I can't. But I know maybe you can't, but he can Okay, go on, uh, give to a project. That's another way. Support a ministry monthly. That's another way. These are just practical ways in which you can engage mission. Engage mission. Another thing too, for, for, for some of us, mission requires healing. Maybe you're not ready for a mission. Maybe you need to get some healing in your life. That's okay. No shame with that. That's all right. But you got to let God in fully. you got to let him in. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your church, the church that you're building, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. God, I pray for every family here that they would experience your spirit, your presence, your blessing, your favor, Lord, and that their hearts would yield and would surrender to the mission, to the purposes and the plans that you have for them, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv invite.